0: Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, and as you're turning there, I'm going to give you a little opening illustration. There was a Columbia researcher named Sheena Iyengar, and she did a study about how many decisions people make each and every day. And she concluded the average person makes about 70 decisions a day. That's 25,500 decisions a year. And over a lifetime, that comes up to about 1,788,500 decisions, almost 1.8 million choices that you and I will make in our lifetime. Now we tend to think the biggest choices in life are where we're going to live, what kind of job we're going to have, perhaps who we're going to marry. But I want to submit to you this morning, those are not the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. Today we're going to talk about the biggest decision you will ever make in your life. Now in Matthew chapter 7, our Lord has been instructing us about how to make wise, good, godly decisions. Christians are supposed to be different from those people that live by the standards of this world. It's a skill that we acquire through the gift of wisdom and walking with the Lord. God expects, God desires for his children to make good decisions. And we've looked at that week by week as we've walked through this 7th chapter of Matthew. Today, the biggest decision is before us. Now remember who's speaking. We tend to go to Scripture and forget who its author is. The Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the God that created the heavens and the earth, who came to earth in flesh, what we call the God-man, 100% God, 100% man. Jesus is unique and divine, divine and human, and when, we, when he speaks, we need to be very careful to listen. He says, this is truth. You don't get to like it or dislike it to negate its truthfulness. This is truth. What are you going to do with it? You can say, well, I don't believe it. I don't like it. I don't want to believe it. But it's still truth. So when he gives us this instruction, we better pay attention. And he's saying, listen. I've just preached this whole sermon, chapters 5, 6, and 7, and now we're coming to the conclusion, the invitation, if you will. Many of us like the instruction, but we don't like making decisions based on that instruction. Let's look at the text. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Point number one in your outline, first thing Jesus does is Jesus gives us directions, directions. Uh, don't you like a little bit of instruction before you actually take the test? Non-cheating, of course. Jesus is giving us the, the main verbal clause through this text, the word enter. It's a command. It's an invitation. He's telling us ahead of time, look, when I give you this choice, here's what you should do. I'm giving you the answer before I give you the, the opportunity, the two options. Now, let's just kind of break this down. These are what we call figurative words or figurative language. The word narrow gate here represents Jesus Christ. In John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus says, I'm the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. So, even though he's using metaphorical language, those that were listening to him would understand, and we should as well. And we'll see this unfold as we move through the, the, me- the message this morning. Uh, he's saying, Enter through the narrow gate. He's the gate, and the gate is narrow. Now, some, some commentators have said this word narrow means one at a time. When you're going through this gate, it's kind of like going through a turnstile. Nobody can go with you. You can't take any luggage. It's narrow to the point where it's just you and you alone. Nobody else can go through except you. It's narrow for a particular reason. Uh, we would say it spiritually like this, that Jesus gives us himself to choose and no one else. Again, we'll see this more in point number two. But I want you to see that Jesus is giving us the directions ahead of time. Before we get to the two choices, he's telling us, look, enter through this gate. Not the other gate, the narrow gate. He's giving us directions ahead of time. Now, there are times in life that we will walk in where we're going to wish we had instructions ahead of time. I, I saw this illustration about a, I probably can't say his last name right, Robert Kupfer Schmidt. Good German name, I guess. He was an 81 year old flying with a friend. His friend's name was Wesley Sickle, who was the 52 year old pilot of this aircraft. They were flying from uh, Indianapolis to Muncie, Indiana. During the flight, everything was going well. Sadly, Wesley, the pilot, passed away while they're flying this airplane. Here's this 81 year old passenger in a Cessna 172 who has never flown a lick in his life. It's at that time you wish you had some instructions. Amen. Well, he doesn't know what to do, so he gets on the radio and pleads for help. Nearby were two pilots. Mount Comfort was the closest airport. And the two pilots began giving instruction to this 81-year-old man about how to fly an airplane while he's up by himself with a dead friend in the airplane with him. They got in their planes, and they went up there and started circling the airport to kind of show them where to go, to make a long story short. They gave him instructions on how to fly, how to turn, how to land. Which would be a good set of instructions to have at this point in your life, okay? So he's coming down, and sure enough, their instructions were greatly needed. He landed the aircraft without having to crash because of the instructions that were given to him. Isn't that a cool story? Well, what Jesus is doing here is he's giving us instructions so we can avoid a crash landing. So we'll avoid destruction. Instructions lead to the avoidance of destruction. So, he's telling you ahead of time. Before I get into the rest of the message, listen to these instructions. They will keep you from destruction. Not only physical destruction, but spiritual destruction. Okay? Now, the Bible tells us, A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Proverbs 22, 3. There are those that will hear this instruction. They're going to keep going. They're going to ignore what the Bible says, what Jesus says, and they will suffer for it. They're going to ignore the instructions, and it's going to end in destruction. I love this little quote I saw this week. Someone put up a sign along one of the muddy roads in rural Iowa during the rainy season, and here's what the sign said Choose your ruts carefully. You'll be in them for the next 10 miles. And you and I must choose our ruts carefully. You've got to be very careful. In the decisions that you make on a daily basis. But primarily this biggest decision that Jesus is fixing to give all of us through this text. So let's choose our ruts carefully, shall we? Point number two. Jesus has already given us instructions. Now Jesus makes a distinction. He gives us two options here. The rest of this chapter has been called uh, the chapter of twos. There's prophets that you choose from. Fruits, two choices, two houses, two builders. The rest of this text talks about two categories. And and here's kind of where Jesus, although he's kind of referred to it a little earlier, he refers to it in some more detail. Now let's look at these, these verses again. Verses 13 and 14. Look what it says in verse 13. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. There's choice number one. And many enter through it. Many. Choice number two. But small is the gate narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. So there are two gates, a wide gate and a narrow gate. And you're standing before those gates, and you get to choose which one you're going to go through. So whether you perhaps look at it like this or not, you're already on this road because you've been living on the earth for a while. You've already chosen your gate. The cool thing is, is when you're walking down this wide road, you can always go back to the narrow gate that's Jesus Christ. So let's kind of break these down a little bit. Let's look at the first one. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. you got to choose a path that you're going to go down through in life. What rut you're going to walk through. Okay? Now the word road here, some commentators have said it has overtones of prosperity. But here's the one common theme. You're in charge. You get to choose everything. Your religion, you get to choose how you're going to live. You're the Lord of your life. Now let's break this down a little bit. This road is overflowing with religious people. I didn't say Christians. I said religious people. There are a lot of religious people on this wide road. Many of them think they're Christians, but they didn't go through the narrow gate, which we just saw was Jesus Christ. They went through some other gate, narrow gate, Jesus wide gate. Anything will do could be religion. doesn't have to be religion. It's your worldview, what you choose to walk in in life. And for most people, it's, they make up their own rules. And they make up their own values. They have their own system of laws. And if Jesus agrees with them, great. If not, Jesus will have to wait. Because they're the Lord of their lives. So, Jesus also gives them permission to do whatever they want. After all, it's his job to forgive, right? And the only reason these folks pray that are on this road is if Jesus will give them something that has to do with things of this world. Lord, bless me. Lord, give me wealth. Lord, give me houses. Give me prosperity. If you give me something, I'll I'll give you lip service. But if you don't give me anything, I don't need you. And they seem prosperous for a season. They'll even talk about Jesus, but here's what they won't do. They won't call him Lord. They'll tell you they're saved. They'll tell you they're going to go to heaven when they die. But here's the two characteristics of these kinds of folks. They have a spiritual idol, I-D-O-L, a false god, or what uh, C.S. Con- Lewis called a god replacement. It's, it's a kind of a god, but it's a god that you manipulate, a god that you control. And they're spiritually idle, I-D-L-E. They don't do anything for the Lord. Their spiritual idol, I-D-O-L, allows them to be spiritually idle, I-D-L-E, where they don't have to do anything at all, but they're going to go to heaven when they die. And they're, they're right with God and they pray to God and they'll say all the right words. But Jesus Christ is not the Lord of their lives because they are living by their own law. And they're not living under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now remember we said at the beginning, do you remember who Jesus is? Philippians 2 says, he was glorified in heaven and he emptied himself, the kenosis passage, and he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of man, becoming a servant. Lived a perfect sinless life and went to a cross to die for our sins. That's who's giving us this instruction. Your argument may be with another person's opinion. But you cannot argue with the one who died for us. Somebody will say to me, well Jeff, I like other religions. I'll say, well, I'll tell you what. When they can die and rise again, I'll listen to them. But until then, I've chosen my Lord and my Savior. Some of these folks will even call on Jesus in prayer and ask him for stuff, stuff, stuff. That's the only reason they pray. This is one of their favorite verses. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. <laughs> you see, God does everything for them. As if they're God and he's not. Let's remember who we're talking about here and talking to here. Look what it says in Proverbs 14.12. You see this on there on your outline. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end... Everybody say that after me, please. But in the end, go ahead. It leads to death. One of the best and wisest ways to make decisions is to keep the end in mind. Stephen Covey in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, said that's one of the seven characteristics of making a good decision. Keep the end in mind. And what Jesus is saying here is, look, you go through this wide gate... You're going to be prosperous for a while, for a season. But in the end, it leads to destruction. The word destruction there is ruin. Some commentators say it's temporal, this earth, but add to it eternal ruin. It doesn't say the word hell, so we've got to be careful here. But it's talking about eternal destiny. Earthly destiny and eternal destiny come from this decision. The second part is we make this decision each and every day. You get to decide, am I going to serve Jesus today or not? But but here's what I want you to remember. Those folks that are going to go down this road are going to, in the end, be ruined. The road isn't going to turn out the way you think it will. Did you hear me? You and I get to experience this every day in life. I I I saw this illustration. Maybe this will help. There was a dairy farmer that went to buy a new pickup truck. He had seen an ad in the paper about discounts and factory rebates, so he decided to trade in his old clunker for a new truck. He chose the model and was was ready to write out the check for the full amount that he saw on the paper. But the salesman said, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I haven't given you the final cost yet. The farmer said, isn't that the price I saw on the paper? The salesman said, no, that's for the basic model. All these other options cost extra. So after the options were added, the farmer reluctantly wrote a check and drove off his new pickup, paying a lot more than he intended. And that's what happens when you, you have these things take place. In the end, you pay a lot more than you ever thought you would. Well, several months later, the car salesman had a child, and they needed to buy a cow for a 4-H project. So he goes back to this farmer that bought the truck from him. He said, how much is it? He said, well, I got several good milk cows for $500. So the salesman took out his checkbook, was about to write a check, and the farmer said, no, wait a minute. I haven't given you the final cost yet. Basic cow, $500. Two-tone exterior, $45. Extra stomach, $75. Milk storage compartment, $60. Straw recycle compartment, $120. Four handy spigots, $10 each, $40. Leather upholstery, $125. Dual horns, $45. I like this one. Automatic rear fly swatter, $38. Natural fertilizer attachment, $185. Total cost from $500 to $1,233. You end up getting a whole lot more than you bargained for. It doesn't turn out like you think. And what happens is you've got folks on this wide road. They think they know where it's going. They, they think they know what's going to happen. But when they get to the end, it's not what they thought. The word is Ruined. And I went back this week, and I don't want to get too nostalgic, I guess, is the word. But I went back and I looked at all these superstars and celebrities that died young. There's something called the 27 Club. I don't want to say any of their names, but these these people rose to fame, and they got all kinds of celebrity status. And it's amazing how many of them died at the age of 27, according to the 27 Club. I don't know if there's a spiritual connotation to that. All I know is they died young. And I went back and I looked at some other folks. They were Everything was going great for them. Everything was going fine. They set up their own rules. They're on this prosperous, broad road. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're gone. And what Jesus is saying here, look, it's not just about this life. It's about the one to come. Jesus said, don't store up treasure on earth. There's treasure you got to store up in heaven. That's where we're going to. You got to learn to make a good decision with the end in mind about home eternity future where rewards will await those that serve the lord so he says look there are some folks that are going to take that wide gate it's the way of religion but i'm telling you remember i gave you the instructions ahead of time here's if you're a wise christian listen to me enter through the narrow gate let me be honest with you it's the road of hardship it's a hard road because you're going against everybody else. You've got to learn to stand alone. All your friends say, hey, come on over here, let's do this. And Jesus says, I'm here. I'm not on that broad road. The only way I know how to define this is, or describe it as, is the, the narrow gate is the turnstile that we talked about. And while they're on this flat paved road, you've got to go down a hill and hop over a rock and go up a hill. And there's poison ivy. There's all kinds of obstacles in your way. And Jesus is saying, look, if you want to follow me, that's what life in this world seems like it's going to be. Look at this quote in your outline. The wide road permits travelers to meander and pursue worldly desires, but the narrow path requires travelers to stick to God's will. You see, on the wide road, you make up your own rules. You are your own boss. You're the, as the poem says, the captain of your fate. But Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to follow me, I am the Lord. I'm Jesus. Sinless. We'll die on a cross at this point. We know that he did. Rose again. Will you trust yourself with me? Back in Matthew chapter 6, it said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. On that broad road, you're seeking these other things. This is what I want. This is what I need. And Jesus is saying, wait a minute. If you'll seek me with all of your heart, I know what's best for you. I know the best thing for you, but it's going to be hard. I love what R.T. Kendall said in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. Relatively few Jews and Gentiles came to Christ 2,000 years ago. It was a narrow gate then. It's still true today. Few they are who come to salvation by acknowledging that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Make no mistake, to be saved is to be among a small minority of people. Salvation implies a narrow way. Some commentators have said, just because you see a bunch of people doesn't make it right. Sometimes the majority can be wrong. And we see that illustrated throughout Scripture. In Joshua, Joshua said to the Israelites, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. In Deuteronomy, Moses said, for I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws, then you will live and increase. Then the Lord God will bless you in the land you're about to possess. you got a choice to make. Wide gate, narrow gate. There was an old West African proverb which says, the man who tries to walk down two roads will always split his pants. And yet that's what many Christians try to do. Yeah, I went through this narrow gate, but I'm walking on this wide road. Split their pants. We get a lot of people saying, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. But you hear him say nothing about righteousness or holiness. It's all about what Jesus did for me. Jesus is Lord. It doesn't matter if you get promoted. It's about his glory, not ours. Will you trust him? Will you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbors yourself? Those are the commands that Jesus wants us to follow. It's not about Jeff promotion. It's about Jesus promotion. You got to choose the narrow, have you chosen the narrow gate? I would submit to you, it's not just a decision to get saved. It's a decision each and every day of your life when you get up and say, Lord, how can I bless you today? And then you watch how God blesses you. Kind of connects to the golden rule, which we talked about last week. You got to be proactive, you got to choose to love and be a blessing to others. And when you choose to walk in God's way, God will then walk with you. He will guide you and he will lead you, he will surprise you. Faith without works is dead. So many people have a dead faith because they're not walking with Jesus. Trust them. You know, when I go to people's houses and sometimes you just never know what you're going to run into. It's exciting. But sometimes you just never know who you're going to run into. I'll say, Lord, give me favor. When I call people on the phone, Lord, just give me favor. You're directing me here. Just give me favor. I just pray for your kingdom to come, your will to be done, and let me walk through it. I'm going to walk by faith and let you, let you have this. You got this. I'm yours. Some of the coolest things have happened. Sometimes. Some not some cool things happen. But the cool thing is you're walking with the Lord and you know you're in his will. And there's peace there. But when you push Jesus away, I got this, Lord. Thank you for dying for me. Just, your job is to take me to heaven when I die. In case hell is real. But in the meantime, I'll take care of myself. Thank you very much. And they miss out on the best, most perfect relationship you could ever have. Our Lord is perfect when people aren't. Our Lord is loving when people don't love. He is trustworthy when you're bitter and can't trust anybody. So many in the Christian faith get discouraged because it didn't go their way. I get it. Been there, done that. But spiritual maturity means you're going to begin to trust the Lord more, even when you haven't in the past. When you've run away from him, he sure hasn't run away from you. Let's finish this up. Before I do that, let me read one thing for you, okay? As you know, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones is my favorite pastor. He died in 1981. I always go try to back and read his stuff. He said this, There was a time when some of the forefathers used to teach that it was a good thing for every Christian to make a covenant with God. Having considered the truth in Matthew 7:13 and 14 they would sit down and solemnly write out a peep, on a piece of paper a covenant which they made with God and they would put their signature to it the date exactly if it was a business transaction they would sign themselves away and their right to themselves and all they had and their right to live as they chose they would henceforth give themselves to God much as a man joining an army surrenders the right to himself and the control of his life used to be what people, have, uh, in the past he did, those that were great Christians. God, I'm yours. Use me, but I'm yours. Now, people aren't going to do that if you're bitter. If you've been hurt, and you're bitter, and you're upset, you're not going to give your life to the Lord. That means all of you. Give all of your heart to the Lord. Yes, circumstances may not have been fair, but Jesus is fair. and He can heal where this world can't. Trust him. Point number three. Jesus requires a... Decision. He gives us directions. He makes a distinction. And now Jesus requires a decision. Look what it says in verse 14. Only a few find it. Would you circle that word, the few? The only thing I could think of when I read that was the Marines. <laughs> the few, the proud, the Marines. But they can't hijack that from Jesus now. He said it first. Only a few find it. What decision have you made? Are you a part of the few having given your heart to Jesus Christ? It's not too late. You might be on the broad road today. You might have a friend who's on the broad road today. We can pray that they'll come to faith in Jesus Christ. The cool thing about the narrow gate is you can be walking along the broad road and enter through the narrow gate. You can give your heart to Jesus. I want you to be Lord of my life today, Lord, and every day. And it's never too late. I was reading a book called In and Over Till It's Over, that famous quote by Yogi Berra by R. T. Kendall. And he told this story about a ministry they had at Westminster Chapel. On Saturday mornings, they would go out and they would just hand out tracts. This is in downtown London, England. They would hand out tracts in, you know, to to people to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And one day, because it's a very metropolitan area, one day a lady came by and asked for a track in German. And they happened to have one. Isn't that pretty cool? They had a track in German because so many people from different countries would come through there. Had a track in German and R.T. Kendall said, I gave this woman a track. Didn't even think anything of it at all. And the woman took it and several weeks, months, I don't know how much time, he got a letter from this woman. And here's what she said. I come from a German family, and I have a father who is a diehard atheist. Don't want anything to do with spiritual things. Jesus, anything. And y'all gave me that track. Outside on a Saturday morning in London, England, who I gave to my father. My dad read it. And gloriously, miraculously, there was something in that track that led him to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And he got saved. Praise the Lord. Amen. He died the next day. That gate was open until it wasn't open anymore. And I don't say that to scare you. I say it because once death comes, that gate is shut. We'll see that more in a couple of weeks. As we follow through this text. Today is the day of salvation. But Jesus is emphasizing here, I know you're getting caught up in all this worldly stuff, the business of life, money, things, whatever. But this is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. His name is Jesus and he died for you. Are you going to keep putting him off? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father. Except through me. So there's the invitation. and The challenge has been granted to you. Do you know if you've ever walked through the narrow gate? Do you know that you've ever placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Not just to be your savior, but to be your savior and your Lord. To be the Lord of your life each and every day. That you're going to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm yours. How can I serve you today? Lord, I'm going to work. How can I serve you today? Lord, I'm going on vacation. How can I serve you today? He's our our Lord. Jesus said, this is eternal life that you might know me. This is how we know him. The challenge is from Jesus to all of us. Let's walk through that gate. Might get bumpy at times. Might get difficult at times. But it leads to life. Abundant life and eternal life. In heaven. A couple of weeks ago, my mother would have had her, I think it was 78th birthday. And she's missed, but I know where she is. In February, I flew to Pennsylvania and I got to see my dad's marker. 24 years my dad's been gone. My father and I didn't really live together past the age of eight or nine, but my prayer has been that he would know the Lord. We had a prayer time together before he passed. Don't wait until it's too late. Give your heart to Jesus. Let's pray.